You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Good morning, uh, Michael. Good morning, Andre Prue. Nice, nice channeling our our inner Robin Williams this morning. Oh, I miss Robin. I tell you, <laughs> I see I see movies as I go, you know you le- go through Netflix and Prime and all that stuff, and you go, yeah, I really want to watch that, and then you go, but every time I watch it, I get sad because I really. <laughs> He's one of those guys you really miss because you really want new stuff from him. Yes. It's like when you when you learn about a new band. I, I'm, I'm going to go way, way back here, Andre. I don't know if you remember a band called the House Martins. <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, hearing a House Martins greatest hits. And then suddenly I went back and bought like the two albums. And I'm like, oh, they've got to have more albums. Nope, they only made the two. And you're yeah. like, damn it. Yeah, it's uh, and, and I mean, it's sort of interesting at this point of the pandemic. It really does feel like, you know. I'm getting to the B sides of television and and music, uh, and it's been both good and bad because it's sort of a it's sort of a struggle to like Toronto. We're still locked down for another another couple weeks at least, and um, you know it's really starting to feel like Groundhog Day. Um, we just finished watching Superstore. Uh, if you're a fan of The Office, you need to watch that. Oh, I mean, we just we just started. We're now in season two. Of course, the the start of season two was weird. Because they had that that Olympics. Oh, and they like, mixed we... the order of the episodes up on Netflix too. Yeah, I was like, did I miss something? But then you know, it was. But it's really a funny show. Oh, the so the actress who plays Dina, her name is is Lauren Ash. She also hosts another podcast. Um, there's something for you to tag on the social media. But she's Canadian, as is uh, Mark McKinney, who plays Glenn from Kids oh. in the Hall. Yes, Kids in the Hall. Yes, that's right. Uh, but anyway, if if you like The Office, it's it's a bit like a reimagined version of The Office about people working in retail, and uh, yeah, we got that. And if you ever worked retail, it's definitely worth seeing because yeah, oh, a lot I'm... of the stupid stuff that happens, you're like, yep, I've been through that. Oh, it reminds me of working at the grocery store growing up in Saskatchewan. Uh, I didn't gr- do a grocery store, but I've definitely done a lot of retail. <laughs> So, you know, I, one of the things I like about recording in the morning is I definitely feel like my energy is a little better than when we record in the evenings. Because some days when we record after spending a day in a control room handling COVID news, I, I know that it's been tough over the past year. So hopefully the quality of this podcast is about to get better. We get hap- a shiny, happy Andre. Yes. Before I get ground down to a nub of a human being at the end of a work day. <laughs> <laughs> A nub of a human being. Andre's just a pencil. Okay, so we actually had something very interesting happen this week. Um, The 7-Eleven Corporation has applied for 61 licenses to serve alcohol. And you and I have been watching on the sidelines, because you and I, we have our fingers to the pulse of quite a few different groups, people in the wine industry, people in the food industry, people in the hospitality industry, and of course, keeping an eye on on our consumer response as well. And we thought it was worth unpacking this issue. Yeah, uh, you were the one who brought it to my attention, because you know, I saw it briefly, on a new, and I went, whatever. And then you said, no, no, it's, this, is a, this is a big deal. And uh, you said that there were a lot of... of controversy and i couldn't see the controversial side i I couldn't see the controversy controversy either Uh, and and before we get into the controversy there's a couple of things that i think we need to 
really unpack before we get into the the editorial side because when I saw that this had happened I was just like oh okay so this is 7-Eleven hopping on board with the booze to go wagon uh 7-Eleven serves some delicious delicious food uh their hot dogs and taquitos are uh some choice items that I have enjoyed in my youth but Very... look, look I'll, I'll also tell you and I, and you said you hadn't been in a 7-Eleven in a long time I have not um I have one just up the street and occasionally wander in to, they have some great fresh cookies that they make. I'm just just saying when we feel like, you know, really getting some cookies instead of grabbing a bag of Oreos or, or chips Ahoy or something, they have a, like a six pack. It's just, they're just fresh cookies. They make them on site. And when I go in there and see that they also have like a very large, uh, food. They, they now do chicken wings. They now do pizzas. I get a fly that says, you know, Seven Eleven has this is the new new special. This the <laughs> okay. potato wedges. They have uh, chicken tenders. They are not just you know hot dogs on a spit anymore. They actually have snack foods. Let's go okay, but, food. but let's be real. Even the hot dogs on a spit make them a better food option than your average Esso or. Petro Canada, if you're looking 100%. for for a hot item while you're on the road, and I'm not saying that the, this is uh, fine dining. I'm, sh- food. I'm sure Mr. Paul Bocuse, rest in in peace, would have uh, a thing or two to say about the gas station food. But um, to me, it's not that much of a, a leap for 7-Eleven to want to serve something with their food. But the thing that surprised me is the licenses they're applying for would not make them eligible to be booze to go that that actually surprised me as well i don't understand why they would want you to stand eat a hot dog and have a glass of wine or a beer where you know for the most part the flyers that they are now sending out and i don't know if you've seen the commercials they're telling you to order it through skip the dishes yep so why would they not be applying for takeaway just like any other you know restaurant where you can, you know, if you want a well, seven ninety nine, I think it has seven eleven pizza. I think it has get a to, bottle of wine with it. I, I think it has to do with how the legislation's actually worded that your, that food needs to be your main business for you to be eligible to to do that. And you don't think Seven Eleven's business main business is food? Uh, well, I, I I think about it. Not just no 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 no, no. I know I know. Listen, I I'm I'm not as familiar with the legislation. I'm going by what I've been reading. Uh, and my sources of information on this have been from CBC and the National Post. So I, I'm sure there's some legal reason why they're not eligible for well, this. Well, look, we, we, we have talked about it before, that there there are you know places that uh, decided that selling a hot sauce with, with a bottle of wine, uh, that selling chips with a bottle of wine was was a way to, to, to get around or do the legislation properly. But 7-Eleven those, those places... all food from a Slurpee to uh, to drinks to chips to chocolate bars to a hot... It, it's not it's not a far jump to what they've gone to to have a hot bar of various kinds of chicken tenders you, you and are... flavors and sauces and pizzas. Um, looking around a 7-Eleven these days, it's 90% food. Oh, okay, you're you're jumping one step ahead in the story, but I mean the one thing that you're forgetting about though is the places that are doing bags of chips and hot sauces with their wine are restaurants that used to have you know the full kitchen, hot meals, uh, charcuteries prepared on site in the restaurant. 
you know, not pre-packaged and ready to go. The the hot sauce and chip thing was a pivot for these places to keep the the lights on. But the the point that you're making, I think, is the point that people don't get because the reaction that people have had to 7-Eleven and the negative reaction that I've seen, it's been a lot of people in the hospitality saying, oh, 7-Eleven is now going to be competing with restaurants for business. We're screwed. Um, right. I, I don't see anyone going out of their way once we're able to do dining or they set up picnic tables outside of 7-Eleven rushing there to drink, you know, a 13th Street Sandstone Gamay with their chicken tenders you know like it's it's. No. I, I don't think 7-eleven is looking to compete with the dining experience that restaurants are creating so 7-eleven is trying to compete with uh i would say wendy's mcdonald's uh tim hortons uh you know no drive-through but you walk in and you say i'd like six you know chicken fingers i don't and, even know if they're and... trying to compete with with those people michael i i think they're trying to compete with like i said the other gas station options that i mentioned if it comes down to the point where you're on the road and you're hungry and your option is not an en route where you have 10 restaurants to choose from, your option is a, a gas station and you want something decent to eat, are you going to go to your Petrocan or your Shell and get a bag of beef jerky or are you going to maybe think about going to 7-Eleven? But Look, I mean, my 7-Eleven's in the middle of a, of a, a, a residential area. Like we, yep. we have, there's a Wendy's across the road. There's a Tim Hortons across the road from it. We have a couple of restaurants on the street. There's a McDonald's, you know, there's two McDonald's within two kilometers. Um, you know, you're going for the guy who's getting out of his car. Yes, I get that. Cause there's a gas station attached to it. Um, you're going for that guy who's slightly snacky and doesn't want a bag of chips, wants something a little bit different, but I don't see why you would. And this is the part that confuses me from the article, why they would go for, uh, a, a, an eat-in license and not a takeaway license. I, I, I'm sure it has to do with, like I said, the way the legislation's worded. And maybe we need to put this to uh, someone in the legal profession. I, I know we've talked to a couple of lawyers in the past on this podcast. So that, that might be something worth doing. But the, uh, the other concern that was raised, not as much as uh, the way the restaurants were jumping up and down concerned about this, is do we want gas stations to be in a position to force people to have um sorry force people to drink their uh their alcohol on site and then get in their car and drive away is there a concern for the the social responsibility aspect to this well again so here's where i would go to, to where my 7-eleven is located it it's in a residential area uh yes they have the gas station there but I would say now. Granted, in the winter, I I drive up there because it's it's bloody cold these days. But in the summer, I walk over to the Seven Eleven and pick up a a, a, a pop because they're seventy nine cents. You know, whatever, no matter what size you get. So I'm I can walk over there, and because they are in a residential area, and it's and there's a lot of obviously houses. People can go grab their chicken nuggets or whatever, and and their and their wine. I see a lot more foot traffic at my 7-Eleven than there is car traffic. Because when I go there and I park or whatever, I'll see there's nobody in the parking lot. And yet the store had 10 people in it or whatever. And in Toronto, it's the same thing. Most of the 7-Elevens that we have in the city proper are places that drive a lot of foot traffic, places that are easily accessible by public transit. Um, I, I think what you said is a fair assessment. Now that I, all the, I don't all... see if they're going to start having tables outside 
uh, like at mine, I'm going to say that if they put two picnic tables out in the in the parking lot, one, they're taking up pretty much all their parking spots, and two, uh, you know, some of the ones in Toronto downtown, what are they going to do? Set up a patio? Totally. Now, all this being said, I think we're we're taking a myopic look at what is happening here. Because I, I think regardless of the scenarios that we've unpacked here, I, I don't think I see 7-Eleven making money hand over fist by offering alcohol at their locations. I think that 7-Eleven is playing a long game here. I do too. I think they want to take a, uh, they want to do a, a do takeout. And I, and I think where we're going with that is that if 7-Eleven can do it, then it's not a far cry to get Costco involved. And Costco is one of the largest buyers of of wine in the world if not the biggest buyer of wine in the world and we need that kind of player here in ontario i think that it's it's a ballsy move and for people in the hospitality industry who are concerned about competition with 7-eleven i think they're also not looking at the long game as well having a corporate voice like 7-eleven you have a, a voice that the government will listen to a lot more readily than a bunch of a hundred little restaurants. And I mean, let's face it as much as Doug Ford says that he's the business guy. um, He doesn't really give a crap about mom and pop shops. His behavior during the pandemic has made it very clear. Uh, Conservative policy does more to help corporations than it does to help small businesses. Uh, But I mean, that's a whole separate issue that we can unpack another time. Um, and man, it feels good to be able to say bad things about Doug Ford again because he really, he really just f- sucks and has been horrible during the past couple months of the pandemic. But you guys can, uh, you guys can unpack that with me on uh, social media if you want uh, another time at Andre Wine Review. Feel free to hit me up with those. Uh, and but, there is a swear jar contribution right there, definitely. so that's that's good. I'm glad that you're giving back to uh, <laughs> to society with your hate. Uh, let's just not say hate. Let's just say pointed critique. But. Um, you know, if, if no, I, I totally agree with you. We need uh, another voice out there that is larger, large enough, uh, where Seven Eleven would be large enough instead of the LCBO and Smokey Thomas or whatever his name is freaking out about people beating their wives in in the uh, in the parking lot of a Seven Eleven because they've had a beer. Okay, and, and just a full disclaimer, we are not belittling domestic violence. We are pointing out that the arguments from Opsu are often hysterical and um, overblown and not measured. They go to the nth degree without coming up with um, a measured concern. I do think that the social responsibility aspect is something that does need to be addressed, but like grown-ups. And frankly, if you're going to be selling booze at 7-Eleven, you're going to have your smart serve. You're going to need your smart serve. And part of your smart serve is you are assuming some of the liability for the people that you are serving. So, and, and let's be honest, the 7-Eleven is already used to carting people for cigarettes. Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I guess going back to the point, if, if I was in the hospitality, I know there's some people who are working to organize and uh, unite the voices of the restaurants. I'd be on the horn to 7-Eleven right now to see what we could do to help unite that. Because uh, frankly, the way the grocery stores kind of took that crumb that they got from the government, I think they should have been pushing harder now that we're seeing how things have changed. Um, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, while I was critical of Doug Ford specifically there, I do think that there has been some positive change during the pandemic with permanently allowing takeout shops, 
Uh, yes, I can be critical of Doug and also say something good about him in the same podcast. Um, I, I told you uh, when he first brought in that bucket beer thing, I said, you know, I'm all for it. And you were like, I don't think it's a good idea. And I remember saying to you that if he does it for beer, then he's got to do it for wine. And I, I, I was right on that one. If he's going to do it for beer, he's going to have to do something for wine. And he did. And I, and I, and I, I want to pat him on the back for that one because he's, he's kind of liberated a little bit, but we need to now push a little more because you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's time to push this out even further. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you with that. Uh, I mean, there's a huge opportunity during the pandemic here um, to modernize the alcohol laws, not just for the sake of the, the benefit of the consumer, because frankly, you and I, selfishly, we really want to see these changes because it will give us easier access to to better wine in more places, hopefully get some competition. Hopefully, uh, if we can, I, I mean, one of the things that restaurants are starting to ask for is wholesale pricing. And I think that's something there's a huge opportunity for with 7-Eleven getting these licenses is you now have a larger voice to lobby the government for fair pricing so that people can actually compete with the LCBO to the benefit of the consumer. Give people you, access to wandered, smaller lots you, of, of products, give people access to smaller lots of products and not just have to deal with um, the big stuff the LCBO is carrying. And that's the thing. The, if you've wandered through your LCBO lately, you will notice that un, uh, you know vintages is still vintages, but on the general list, they are really pulling back and they are really consolidating the wines that they are bringing in. It looks like they have a lot of labels, but if you really dig deep, you are still looking at the big brands just putting out new new brands, not not putting out new wineries, but just a brand. So, you know, not to shit on all over Artera or Peller or Constellation or um, Gallo or any of those large ones, but they're basically just brands from those companies. And I mean that's that's so fine, but but as a, as a consumer, I've noticed, especially during the pandemic, that uh, the experience of shopping at the LCBO is changing and not for the better. And I think we're now seeing what corporate complacency looks like. I, I think the LCBO have done a very good job at fooling the people of Ontario into thinking that they're the people who can do it best because the stores are nice, the magazines are nice, things are glossy, things are shiny. Um, now that I, we have access to bottle shops in the city, we're seeing what real access to product looks like. And and frankly, you know, the selection of Ontario wines rolling through vintages has not been terribly interesting lately. And I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully because I know the wineries that choose to get their products listed at the LCBO work very hard at that. And it's very important that VQA wines are represented at the LCBO. But frankly especially during this pandemic, I think the LCBO have done a garbage job at trying to help the local wineries. I would um, agree 100% on that. And, and I know and there's people who are... getting very lazy at it. Very I, lazy. I think there's people who are going to be like, well, they do the promotions a couple times a year and they put them front and center. I'm sorry. We're still at the point where it pops up on social media regularly that international Canadian blends are being mixed in with VQA. And that happens to the detriment of the consumer because when a consumer picks up a box of international Canadian blended wine and sees it labeled or marketed as VQA, that's their impression of the industry. And that or does nothing... Or, or marketed as Canadian wine, in the Canadian wine section. And that's, you know, that's always been a bugaboo of mine. I, you know, get that. I have always 
wanted that not to be beside the VQA section, but I wanted you to have to make the walk of shame all the way to the back wall, and that's where you'll find your your, your blended wines. If VQA is going to be at the front of the store, then your blended wines at the back of the store. Make that walk of shame. Make somebody say to you, you sure you want to get that and not support the local industry as much. But I mean, that's it. The other thing is is the LCBO with their markups. They have been m- making money hand over fist during the pandemic, and the government has the ability to lower those markups for Ontario wine. And yeah, 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 I'm sure I'm going to get someone from the government or someone from the LCBO talking about NAFTA or some garbage like that. If there is a point in time to dig your heels in the sand, support your mom and pop businesses, put your money where your mouth is, Mr. Premier, and support the local industry. Make it easier for a, a citizen of Ontario, whether it's in Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, or Windsor, to get their hands on a bottle of VQA wine and keep more money in the pockets of these small business owners. Uh, there is no tourism happening right now. These businesses are hurting. The and logis- then if you're going to do that also, you know, relax the regulations about sending wines to BC, to Nova Scotia, to, to Saskatchewan, to Manitoba. Allow our wineries to do it. Allow us to do it for other provinces as well. We're all Canadians. Get on board. Let's get wine flowing throughout the entire country. There are people out in BC who want to taste Ontario wines. There are people in Nova Scotia that want to taste Ontario wines. Shut the LCBO up. Let's get this wine moving. So I guess to bring us back to our original thesis, I for one cannot wait for 7-Eleven to start selling six packs of Pabst Blue Ribbon and Yellowtail. And I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek because I know Yellowtail is a favorite whipping boy of mine on this podcast but i think uh, but i think it's an it's a very nice service that the 7-eleven will and a civilized service that the 7-eleven will be able to offer to allow consumers to go to the corner store and not be bound to just the lcbo to purchase a, a bottle of wine or a six pack of beer on a hot day in the summer to take home to enjoy in their backyard and not consume and get into car and drive i i fully agree that 7-eleven should should we should all get behind this and uh, if you're an executive from 7-Eleven listening to this podcast, uh, I look forward to having you lobby the government to make the much-needed changes to alcohol. Michael has thrown Costco into the mix. I would love to see Costco go toe-to-toe with the LCBO and flex that buying power uh, muscle and benefit the consumers. And and here's the thing is, I don't even care about the pricing at the LCBO. I know you and I make comments once in a while about it, it being a little bit more expensive in Ontario. I get it. You know, alcohol does a lot of damage on society and that needs to be acknowledged and cool. You know, do the excise tax, do the markup, do whatever, but make it fair so that if I want to buy an obscure bottle of Beaujolais or Rhone, I have access I have access to that without it having to get through the LCBO. And um, also 7-Eleven, Andre would like a six pack of... Uh, of- free hot dog coupons no 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 no. it's the um, i I hope they still have them it's been a while since i've set foot in there the monterey jack taquitos you ever had that might be too spicy for you Uh, it would be spicy for me but yeah you can have your six pack of that all you want you know they'd send me six but i really only need one yeah yeah that's pretty much all you need wow this was pretty ranty i i for the people listening i hope this uh this makes sense we look forward to uh, hearing. You made what... some sense to me, Andre, and it's <laughs> as I said, it's early Saturday morning when we're recording this. So uh, obviously, um, you know, we we try to make sense in the morning. We try to make sense in the evening. We try to make sense all the time. It doesn't but always work. <laughs> we're just nonsensical. 
So what I'm going to do after this podcast is I am going to hop on my bicycle and head to a bottle shop in downtown Toronto to see what I can find. Because uh, as I said, uh, I know the pandemic has affected certain things, but the selection at the LCBO lately has been abysmal. Yeah, and the, especially with the general list. So let's wrap this up, Andre. Let's get you on your bike before it starts to snow again. Uh, Andre Pru at... Andre Wine Review on social media, andrewinereview.ca. Uh, if I haven't completely pissed everybody off with my uh, anti-Doug Ford rant, uh, think about supporting the podcast, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Uh, and, and all that being said, um, you know, you're still doing some good things for alcohol, but you're not doing enough to help small businesses, Mr. Ford. And it, not just the wineries, uh, small businesses everywhere are suffering and you're not doing enough. Stop passing the buck to the prime minister, who is also doing a terrible job. You have the power to do stuff. Help the small businesses, man. I feel like I'd be stepping all over that message if I said anything else. But <laughs> I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, you can find me on social media as the great guy, as Michael Pincus. And Andre, um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you again. Yes, a good pleasure night. speaking with you. Oh, do, do you want to say goodnight again? I, I was talking all over you. Yeah, you were. So, you know what? Good, good night. morning, oh, Andre. Yeah. Good afternoon, Andre, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran.